Little did you know you are strong, smart, insightful, beautiful, hilarious, loyal, and loved. The podcast you need to navigate your 20s. Little did you know we're Shelby Eastwood. I, I thought I was going to have like a funny philosophical thing to say, but I didn't. Um, it's been a, let's see here. I found out what I'm teaching in September, so that's cool. Maybe we can do an episode on that later. Um, it's been a rough weekend though, to be honest. Um, I hate having fights with people. I hate it so much. And I've come to learn through therapy and everything that sometimes you have to put yourself first. And you have to realize, like, if the people in your life don't want the same thing as you or don't want the same future as you, then you really need to reconsider why you still have them in your life. And I had that epiphany this weekend. And I'm the type of person that will fight hard for anybody and everybody, friends, relationships, family, whatever. But if that's not reciprocated back, I've learned that you almost just need to cut your losses. You know what I mean? And that's really sad, but it's necessary for your well-being, for your mental health, for your happiness. And so, and then trying to believe somebody after the fact, like after you're like, you don't want the same things in life that I do. Trying to believe somebody after the fact when they're like, no, I do, I do, blah, blah, blah. That's really tricky to do. And that's really hard. And I also learned that. Um, but that's where I guess like talking through stuff and like understanding pe- each other and what have you comes into play. Um, I just wish I could be the type of person to just be like, sayonara, peace out, bruh. But unless somebody makes that move first, I tend um not to I tend to believe and hold on to things um and believe in the good in everybody because everybody's pieces of good in them everybody can be a good person they just sometimes don't show it let's put it that way but this kind of goes good into our topic for today because um the person or guest today super excited to have her uh, her name is Stacy, and she is lovely, 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 lovely person. Um, love what she stands for, love what she advocates for, um, and we're going to get deep into relationship talk today, and I'm excited. I'm excited. So let's take a break, and she's here, so let's take a break, and we'll have her on. <laughs> Hi, Stacy. How are you? Oh, Shelby, it's great to be here to connect with you. Yeah, Ooh, we finally pulled it off. We finally pulled it off, and we finally, it, literally, we've had a hot mess of technology, the, the, the technological issues and stuff, but we did it. We did it, so we made it through. There's, there's always a way through. <laughs> I love how we were able to connect prior um, to us kind of having this conversation. I feel like it made it a lot more easier and like familiar seeing you now again after a couple weeks because I know we met first a couple weeks ago and and it just seeing you again today I'm just like oh it's it's so nice to see her again (laughs) 
it's not i i agree i um on my podcast love shack live i love to meet the guests first because it just makes for such a deeper connection and a more intimate experience so i and it takes time it takes extra time and so i do appreciate you taking the extra time to do that it, because yeah. it's kind of fun it know? is and it's like, it's, yeah, exactly. And there's something I did, like, I remember when we first met, I was like, I th- I was like, okay, are we recording today? Cause I'm ready to go. And you're like, no, I just want to chat. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, it, it, but, <laughs> but it's great. Cause now like, it feels, it feels more familiar today now. You know what I mean? Which is awesome. Well, you know, what's ironic about it. A lot of times this is how life works. You know, I thought I needed all the fancy gear, but the fancy gear's not working. That was the problem we had with the tech, right? Yeah. So, the show must go on. The show must. The show must go on, and here we are. So, um, I kind of gave like a little bit of a brief synopsis about you before, um, we got on the air here, but I wanted you to be able to tell your story and what you do, and and what inspired you to do what you do, because I know what you do is very interesting to me, and I want you to share it with with all the listeners. So tell us. Thank you so much for the opportunity to do that. My journey, actually, now. Um, that I'm looking at 60, ironically, um, I can look back now and I can understand and see that my journey actually started as a seven-year-old kid when my dad died. And I remember the lid of his casket closing. And there was a moment there as a kid where I all of a sudden realized that the relationship with my dad was more important than anything else I had. It was more mm-hmm. important than my Barbies and my dolls and my friends and Um, that it was like significant Mm -hmm. and I went oh man this is important and so all my life from that moment forward I have been one of those people who really value relationships now mind you um, I think because of that right because I wanted to be in relationships so much because I wanted to be loved and accepted so much and I wanted this wonderful feeling that we oftentimes experience in close relationships my romantic life was a shit show so um, I (laughs) There wasn't a lot of filters and there wasn't a lot of like screening. I, I really just had, and I was, I was brought up in a very naive environment where I wasn't really street smart. And mm-hmm. so as I got into adult life, I was easily manipulated and preyed on and I just wanted to please everybody. Yep. And so I went on a heck of a, a, an emotional roller coaster, which made me feel like I wasn't good at relationships at all. Made yeah. me feel like I was very, very broken. Um, and that there was always something wrong with me, and that it was just a matter of time before these relationships would blow up. And then in about 1967, when my second marriage blew up, and I was a single mom with five kids in tow at that point in time, I, I decided, okay, this is it. Uh, I'm gonna, if I am broken, I'm gonna understand where and why, and maybe I'll be broken for the rest of my life. And and maybe, just maybe, there'll be a little something I could do to kind of, like, improve my situation in my life and my mm-hmm. understanding about myself. And that's what got me into this work. Um, I studied both um, uh, hypnotherapy when I started, and then I got into, I thought maybe I was going to do the body medical track, right? Yeah. And so I did a number of years studying digestive health and anatomy and thought I was going to be a nurse um, and, and pursue something in the medical field only to find myself back in the relational realm once again. And so a lot of my teachings have the association of our physical body and our emotional body. And I find that that really helps me as well as my clients understand this whole thing we call love more and more and more. Um, so it kind of solidifies it and puts it into practical terms. Awesome. And so I, I, as I say, I, I do this work because I need it more than most, I think. And, and because I, 
I love it so much, and I, I can see now that um, it's so needed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially in your age group and the audience that you're serving, your beautiful listeners. I mean, talk about a three-ring circus, right? Oh, yeah. And I remember hearing that, you know, you just got to love yourself back when I started my own journey, and that one would really piss me off. Like, <laughs> I would just go, that is such a bunch of shit. That I have, and if I don't, then am I just rude? Or, I mean, nobody could tell me, how do you love yourself? Yeah. Is that bubble baths and, like, doing my pedicures and my fingernails? I mean, I, I had no idea, and so... Well, that one used to make me want to pull my hair out. And they, they say that, time. they say that, they say that even, like, now, too. They're just like, oh, you can't love somebody before you love yourself. Oh, that's just so maddening. <laughs> because that leaves you with absolutely no idea about how to improve. Like, mm-hmm. zip zero. That's the worst advice. There's another piece that goes hand in hand with this, in case it's valuable to any of your listeners. Don't go to bed mad. Like, that is the that is just like that. that. That's horrible advice. Don't ever buy into that because this is going to turn into a game of wearing somebody out. It's going to turn into a game of manipulation. Yeah. So that better go get some sleep and wake up the next day and take another crack at it than See, think that you've got to get this all handled. You're the so. second person. It's funny because I spoke with um, somebody last week and you are the se- she said the exact same thing you just said. And I was like, and I was like. Really? Like, why? Like, and she, she kind of walked me through it, because in my brain, too, like, I can't go to sleep angry, either. I want to deal with it in that moment, even if you're, like, amped up, and, like, it's two in the morning, like, I just want to deal with it then, and she's like, she's like, no, you have to, like, like, maybe not, maybe sleep on it, but, like, just know that you're in that safe space, and you'll, you've set a time to deal with it tomorrow, once you've both kind of, um, like, come down from that state, and I was like, Oh, okay, that makes sense. So for you to say that a week later is so funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's, I don't know where that came from. Probably doctor, you know, 1950s. Um. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I don't ever go to bed mad. And it, and it just seems to kind of continue and carry through. So I'm, I'm so delighted to hear there are more people out there talking about that because it really is a horrible piece of advice. For sure. I I want to ask you all relationship things, if that's okay, because I feel like you're just the expert. Okay, so one of the first things I noticed and something that it bugs me a lot because when people talk about relationships, it's all communication, right? It's all how you communicate. Oh, if, if something's not working, oh, just communicate. Oh, this is th- this is bad in your relationship. Oh, just communicate better. Oh, just do this better. Just communicate. Just talk more. And something that you had mentioned was that's not the that's not the thing that's going to fix your relationship. So, what else is? What what will? Mm-hmm. No, and I really want to speak to that because um, we intuitively, especially when a relationship is falling apart, we know that it's time and sharing ourselves that that got us in this mess, yeah. right? That, that that's how our relationship started. And I just I just want to point out that that's how connection is created. You know, Shelby, you mentioned when we started this conversation that you know we had a chance to connect prior. Yeah. And it's a sharing a little bit of me and a little bit of of with of me with you and a little bit of you with me that we don't realize literally creates the fibers of connection that mm-hmm. bind humans to humans. It's invisible. We can't see it, but so is oxygen. It's pretty important. You know, we feel it. We feel when we have a connection with somebody and when we don't. Mm-hmm. And so as we meet somebody special and we start to share more and more of ourselves and our ideas and who we want to be and what we want to do and where we want to go, and these dreams kind of evolve into a place where there's enough connection and fiber laid down that you want to build a life on it, 
it's then that things start to get interesting because up to this point in time, we typically just shared the things that work and that we're excited about, right? Maybe had a few little arguments, but nothing big. And then, then the real stuff starts to happen where, you know, there's always a play out of what works for us as, as individuals and what doesn't. And that's not even true. That's not only true for me as an individual, but also what works and doesn't work in the relationship. And it's that stuff that we have a difficult time talking about. Mm-hmm. And so we don't because we don't want to be the problem. We don't want to create a problem. We don't yep. want to create a fight. And so we continue to try and go along with that as best we can until we can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and or we notice that we're not sharing anymore. And so when that stuff starts to happen, I mean, just notice inside how we start like pulling back and withdrawing, not sharing as much as we used to. And if we do, it's kind of only half of what it is I'm feeling. Yeah. And so what's interesting about that is when our relationships begin to atrophy a little bit and that, that connection tissue that we were laying down starts to atrophy a little bit because it's like a muscle. If you're not laying it down, it starts to feel like yeah. it's kind of it's shrinking a little bit, right? And then we start to kind of panic and intuitively we know it's time and, and conversation. We know those two things are somehow intuitively what brought us here. Mm-hmm. What we don't realize and, and it <laughs> is that there's some space that needs to be filled in the void because if time and talking were going to be the antidote to that, we would have been able to figure figure it out or fix it a long time True. ago. Yeah. Right? So I get why we go there. I get why we think it's always communication and time that we need to spend together. Um, but we'll often approach it like, you're never home anymore. Yeah. You're going to be home. You work all the time. Right? Yeah, and that's yeah. me saying, I don't think we're spending enough time and talking enough because I don't know how to say that, right? It's, it's more of an intuitive kind of thing. Or yeah. I'll say, you know what? We, we need to talk about this. We got to sit down and talk. And somebody goes, oh, man, what are we going to talk about? What are they going to say today? What have I done wrong? You know, we, we tend to go to those places. And so if we could set it up so that not only we fill in the void with something that's enjoyable for both people like you know let's let's sit down and enjoy our favorite bottle of wine or can we go get coffee tomorrow at our favorite shop i mean can we set this up so that there's something that turns this have to into a get to yeah and i think that's really important and then comes the skills so in my programs and with my clients communication is the very very last thing i add to the mix because here's the deal when you're emotionally pressed and your back's against the wall and you don't know how to show up differently other than rip somebody's face off or get the hell out of dodge then you're not going to use them yeah don't forget all about them yeah and so we've got to do what i call emotional weightlifting on the front side we have to emotionally you know in the worlds of psychology and, and therapy it would be regulate right my emotions be able to hear something that maybe is difficult but not necessarily do those two things i just mentioned because those two things which rip somebody's face off and and run away those are survival skill mechanisms so that that means we're redlining and that means we don't know how to say what it is we know we need to say until the emotions are like blowing up yeah. And now I've got to do something because I'm in survival mode. Yeah. And that's how we try and approach our conversation. So um, until we can learn how to do some emotional push-ups, it's going to be really difficult for us to have the conversations that need to be had, right? Therefore, allowing, we want to allow more time to have those kinds of things. So um, I want to impress that love and relationships is very much like learning anything else you're going to do. Like, 
is going to be messy at first and it's going to seem clunky like learning how to drive that car remember and then you drive off the curb and you hit the trash can you can't figure out how to parallel park and then your parents then yell at you yeah 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 then pretty soon you're really good at it yeah really no I, I get that and that that kind of hits home to me a little bit because I'm I'm t- awful at regulating my emotions <laughs> to the point like where I thought like there was a more serious mental health problem going on with me that's how bad sometimes I can because I do the exact same thing what you were just talking about like you just hold on to it hold on to it hold on to it hold on to it and then all of a sudden you're just like why didn't you do like you just kind of like bled off instead of regulating and realizing I'm safe right now everything's good right now that's just not I'm just trying to get attention but I'm doing it in the wrong way you know what I mean or saying it in in a way that's not not um like good in the relationship if that makes sense Mm-hmm. Well, and and we wouldn't think that I, I want to liken this if I may to your physical yeah. body, okay? Yeah. Because I, I want you to get in touch with what's happening here, so it doesn't seem like ah, this is my nemesis. Mm-hmm. Why am I always losing it? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know you can hold your poop, right? Well, and you know you can it, hold your poop for a long time until it starts to turtle out. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. That's my exact point. So when we hold our emotions, it's the same thing. Sure, I can hold them, but it's probably better to address them sooner rather than later because, as you said, they're going to turtle out. (laughs) And so oftentimes what happens with our emotional bodies is we wait too long to say something. So then I have no option but to lose my shit. Right? I have no option but to panic and go into survival mode because I've waited far too long trying to hold it. And oftentimes we don't correlate those two things unless I put it in the context of poop. Now you get it. Now I get it's it. like, ah, that makes so much sense. Like, um, and so we have got to um, give ourselves more space and have, right, more opportunities when we're calm or what I, I say neutral mm. and address it sooner rather than later. That's one of our biggest problems is we wait too long to yeah. say something. I, and now we're already at the top. We're already redlining, right? We're already turtling. That's going to be a new thing, Shelby. That's going to be a new thing. I can't just stop thinking about, like, poop now. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> well, I mean, and there's, thank God there's a lot of correlation between our physical bodies and our emotional bodies. They work just the same. So we can learn a lot about how to emotionally regulate by looking at how we handle things physically. Yeah, no, you're right. You're 100% right. And, like, I, I come from a kinesiology background, so I've taken all that anatomy, like, exercise physiology, all of it. And so, like, I get what, exactly what you're saying, and it makes sense. Like, it's just, it, it makes sense. Um, what, with your clients there, like, I know you guys have your, your confidentiality stuff, but, like, in general, what's kind of the biggest mistake you see people making with in terms of relationship and love and stuff? I think the biggest relationship we're already touching on, the ability to um, emotionally take care of myself. Yeah. This emotional body, which is very real, which we don't give any credit to, or we're drowning in it seems to be the two extremes, mm. right? I don't know how to get out of my emotions. I just want to paint the idea that we do have a navigation system. We really do. And it can, it's comprised of our physical body and our ability to think and rationalize and our emotional body. And our emotional body is invisible, it's fluid, it's dynamic, it can shape shift on us really fast, we can be emotionally flooded in nanoseconds, 
And if that wasn't enough to take on, the dang thing can time travel. So it can go to 2040 in a nanosecond when I start going, what if this happens? What if this? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it can also take me back to, for me, it's like 1970. But for you, it would probably be more like. 1999 <laughs> I was only I was only four then <laughs> okay 2006 <laughs> four years on that bad boy <laughs> both of those and yet as human beings we're very lopsided or either very very logical and rational mm-hmm. and think we need the emotional yeah and that has me running and to-do lists and tasks and running from sitting down and, and being connected with myself I always feel like I have to do more tasks in order to prove I'm worthy or good enough. And I can drown in my emotions. I can be so emotionally stuck that I don't know how to get out. Yeah. And, and these, these are my rudder. And so a huge piece of my work is doing a lot of education in regards to you need to know how your human navigation system works. And it never shows up more um, blatantly than in the realm of love and relationship. Mm-hmm. I always say if you want to put your personal growth on steroids, just go ahead and get into a relationship. It will take care of everything. True. Every fear or panic button you've ever had, right? True. It's going to come up. And yet we look at it or sense it as a harbor to alleviate all of those mm-hmm. things. Like, that is the answer. If I can just find Mr. or Mrs. Right, right? All of my problems and dreams will come true. No, actually, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> I'm curious if, if, because I know, like, speaking as a female like we are females are stereotyped to be very emotional and like what have you and like we can we take things a lot harder sometimes um and i'm saying that very lightly i wonder how men feel in that and like if they feel the same way do you have a lot of male clients mm-hmm. and male clients love what i do because it makes sense to them mm. it's practical we don't just get to go and talk about our feelings yeah um, and so I just want to point out, there is a couple of things going on here, because I have met some very emotional men, Yeah. and I have also met some very unemotional women, mm-hmm. so this doesn't always cross-pollinate, okay? I just, I just want to highlight that. Some of it is the way we come, it's the way we're wired, it's the yeah. way we were raised. Having said that, there's also socio-cultural yep. influences on this as well, yep. and if we really want to understand why typically women are emotional we just need to look at our our social culture and women have been taught that that's how they get to express they share their feelings they share their emotions and if we have an emotional problem or we have something that happens that fires up our emotions if i can't figure it out i've got a whole slew of girlfriends who can and we'll pound that stuff into powder dust and we'll come up with an answer sharing our feelings whereas with men men they're told well don't share it because then you're not a man anymore exactly yeah and they're given the physical body Mm -hmm. as the outlet that's how they express physically Yeah. yeah They're going to play sports. They're going to push each other around. They're going to joke and kid, and it becomes a very physical affair. So if you ever want to understand the emotional differences as we cross-pollinate genders, just think about girls and women, how we feel if a guy was to say, hey, baby, put on that G-string and do me a pole dance. And we'd all start going, that's my body. Expressing through my body is a very uncomfortable thing. That is not an outlet I have been given socially. That is not things we talk about generally, unless mm. it's in secret, kind of taboo. Yeah, yeah. We don't talk about sex. We don't talk about our bodies. We don't. We have a lot of body like challenge, and a lot of this is cultural. Social. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Yes. 
And so now men who have been given the physical, right? You say, you want to talk about your feelings? And they go, no, why? They're like, hard pass. I have no feelings. <laughs> I know. I don't, because I've not been given that outlet. I yeah. do have feelings. I have a lot of feelings. Yeah. I just don't know how to share them. So if we could start looking at these things as things we practice, that we have the capacity to do, we just haven't developed the ability to yeah. do them, then it changes the conversation. And maybe we can be a little more empathetic yeah, right, I, about what's going on, because that's how they feel when you say, hey, you want to talk about your feelings? They go, oh. Yeah. It's just like somebody going, hey, baby, come on. Yeah. You know, put those panties on and do a little something, something for me. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I got to work with it. Oh. No, I totally, I totally agree with that. I just, it's, I find it, especially men my age are still at that stage where they, they don't want to share those emotions, right? Or like they don't want to tune into that aspect of themselves. Um, you see it every once in a while, but they, they try not to show it. <laughs> Well, and that's because they're trying to fit in and they're trying to be yeah. accepted. Yeah. And with the rise of feminism, there's a lot of men who are very confused about what it means to be a male. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, talk, think about those messages that are coming from our culture and yeah. our society. I mean, do I stay home and cook and do I get emotional or do I do the manly man thing, right? Mm-hmm. And um, It's tough. It's a very confusing time for men, right? Yeah. It's a very confusing time for men. So bless their little souls. I have nothing but empathy for them. I know. I know. I have some <laughs> great men in my life. Um, question for you. Because I know, I don't, well, I don't know what it would be like in the future. But, like, I find in, when you're in your 20s, and I've kind of talked about this on previous episodes, but I'm, I'm curious on your take here. If, in your 20s, normally you're in one of three stages. You're either in the middle of everything, or you have... Uh, or you're on the other end where like all your friends are getting engaged they're having babies and all of that stuff or you have the other side of the spectrum where they're still partying sleeping around and stuff what have you and that fear of commitment is still very much present how do you navigate that like how would you how do you get past that fear of commitment to kind of move forward instead of just staying in the middle or staying at that party stage do you know what i mean mm-hmm. so the first thing that I'm going to point out is just just as we all do developmentally, we all have different stages. We have a, a criteria that, for example, a baby's going to walk from like nine months to 18 months yeah. typically. Now, there's a lot of time in there, especially when we start talking months and, and growing, right? Mm-hmm. And depending on how it is we develop, right? So for me, for example, even though I was 37 when I started to explore, okay, I got to get clear on this relational thing. I was 37, had five kids, two divorces. But in reality, in emotional ability, right? I was very, very, very naive because I had been very, very sheltered and protected. Like Mm -hmm. I had no street smarts and I was really dumb when it came to those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so there, there is a place where I had to catch up. And so the first bridge your listeners to, and just really embrace is this truly, truly is your journey. So how do you, what would you recommend people to do to have that fear of commitment to help them move forward in life instead of just kind of staying in that whole party sleeping around I'm not getting married I'm not finding myself in a serious relationship kind of phase like what would you say to those people Mm -hmm. well I would say okay there's no race here 
right? That we have to kind of accept that this is our own journey and our own unfolding of ourselves. And so I'm I'm not quite sure where we're all rushing to, to get married and to have kids Mm -hmm. and to have a house, but I, I, I would recommend that we slow down. And if you have a fear of commitment, then that's a sign that you probably shouldn't do it. And that mm. instead we should do some more reflection and self-discovery. So, so honor the wisdom that you have inside of yourself. True. Right? And we, we truly, I mean, because of your generation and social media and, and my generation doing such a piss poor job of teaching you anything about relationships. I mean, let's just be honest. There were some good things that we did, but if we look back over the history, let's, let's just take a little trip down there because I think it would really expose if you're okay yeah. why it is we often feel the way we feel especially now that we're 20 something yeah there's good reason why we are commitment phobic um when I grew up am I still okay yeah. when I grew up it was it was like two parents at home mm-hmm. there was no step families we didn't have a word for that yeah my mom was the oddball on the street because she had to go back to work after my dad died right yeah so I was the oddball out there was no single parent families back then when, and they just grinded it out. Like yeah. if they married, they married forever. Yeah. 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 Okay. Now my generation gets married. We have a bunch of kids and we're realizing, no, this really sucks. And I'm not grinding it out, but here's the thing. We didn't have a better plan. We didn't know what the heck we were doing. And so we started blowing marriage up for the first time in history, not the first time in history ever, for the first time in the first hundred years of the United States of America. Yeah. Right. So we started blowing relationships up, but we didn't have the next step. We just knew we didn't want to do that. Yeah. And so now our kids, you are going, you know what, that whole marriage relationship thing? Oh, boo, hiss. Like that has drugged me around, right? I've had step parent after step parent. I've seen this dating thing with my adults, you know, like boo hiss. And what you, is this about? you make such a good point because like, so my family's a hot mess. <laughs> I, my parents divorced when I was five and that was atrocious. And then my mom got married once again but then he became my ex-stepdad and then he she goes with somebody else and then she messed that relationship up too and then my stepmom and my dad were married for like 12 years and they recently just got divorced too so like I've never seen a successful marriage in my immediate family so I totally understand what you're saying (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and if we could I mean I think there's a lot of that we didn't understand for sure Mm -hmm. my generation didn't understand a lot of what they were doing they just wanted to change the course of, of what was being done. Yeah. And now we need to look at love and relationships from a whole new vantage point, right? Because <laughs> because we need to, because it's growing, because it's morphing and it's changing. Mm-hmm. And so if you're commitment phobic, please don't force yourself or somebody that you love into a relationship because I can promise you one thing. It's not going to go well. Yeah. There is a reason why we are commitment phobic and we should probably address that first and explore that first and gain some understanding there before we start putting it together because a lot of what we don't understand is if you have enough to deal with by just dealing with yourself which for most of us as human beings is a full-time job like this full-time job oh yeah (laughs) and if i'm not in a place where i can take on more complexity more challenges more problems then it's probably best for me to learn and yes, date and be in relationships Mm -hmm. so that I can learn about myself because that's the greatest growth vehicle there is. Mm -hmm. I will see more about myself by dating and engaging with others than I can on my own. Yeah. And, and maybe I just need to admit where I am instead of trying 
Yeah. I like that. And so then how do you know then if you're really, if you, once you get into that relationship, if it's going to last or not? You don't. Nobody does. Oh. And that's, that's the bummer. I know. But <laughs> I'm like, damn, here I was. I want you to look at it in the other perspective. If you know that you're not guaranteed or assured anything, then that helps us show up hopefully as our best selves more often mm. instead of thinking that you've just been assured a guarantee. And you don't have to worry about it anymore. You don't have to take responsibility about how you show, show up mm-hmm. or what you do. So you can use it as a means. I didn't know if I lost you. No, you you're st- it cut it a little means. bit. That's okay. Yeah, you can use it as a means to show up and, and motivate you to be, improve and to become your best self most days. Or you can use it as the big fat bummer, but it's not gonna it's not gonna save you. It's not gonna give you the guarantee that you need. It really isn't. In fact, I just did an episode of of this on my Love Shack live and it will be in my book as well. It's fascinating to look back over the history of marriage and to understand and realize that marriage lasts longer if it's based in obligation, not love. So like on arranged marriages or marriages that have this guilt or shame associated with getting a divorce will outlast relationships based on love every time. And that's a sobering thought when we think about yeah. it. So we have to make some we have to make some decisions here, right? Do I want relationships that are based on love and respect and kindness? And I I finally found because I tried both, right? Being that I ra- was raised in the Mormon religion, I had tried you know, love based on obligation mm-hmm. as well by finding somebody I, I loved and then trying to make that whole thing work and it blew up. So obligation didn't work for me. Um, I decided I didn't want another relationship based on obligation at all. And that if you want to be here, I want you to be here with me yeah. now and vice versa. And if we're going to build it on that, then we have to do our best to bring our best selves because there are no guarantees about tomorrow. I like that. I liked that thought a lot, actually. I, I just wrote that down in a note there. I was like, hmm, that's a good, that's a good piece. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You mentioned there your book. Can you tell me about that? Did you, did you write it already or is it out? Uh-huh. It's, it's just being released on March 30th. And so for your listeners, you can get a free copy of it the first five days, like beginning March 30th, you can download your free copy. Ooh. And Shelby, I'll, I'll give you the information if you want to put that in your show notes and such. Um, and it's called Feeling Like Marriage is Dead. A Divorce Mediator's Guide to Ensuring Love for a Lifetime. And, and what I would like us to start, like, just toying with is, hey, what if we got better at love just like we do anything else, like we had already touched on? And, and what if we continue to, to do better and better and better over time? So the lover I am today in my 20s is not going to be the lover I am in my 50s or 60s if I'm getting better at this. And unfortunately, what a lot of us do when we have a couple of rounds that kind of kick our fannies is we decide we're not going to play. Mm. We're not going to do it anymore, right? And so we don't step in. We don't get clear about what we, we, we did and what we would like to do better and learn about life and love and then step in and go again. Because I assure you, based on the title or the subtitle of the book, Ensuring Love for a Lifetime is where I want us to go in our mm-hmm. mindset and in our mentality. Yeah. We deserve love for a lifetime. We do. But we, we cannot continue to show up and expect it to go the way we think it's supposed to go based on the 
I call it the Santa Claus story that we've been told about how this whole thing is supposed to go. We yeah. have to tell the truth about it. Yeah. The hard stuff, the ugly stuff, all of it. Yeah. It's yeah. a great story. It's kind of like the Santa Claus story. It's a really great story. And I love it. And it inspires me too, right? But at the end of the day, we have to accept it's a Santa Claus story. And if we want to get better at love, then we have to learn. We have to practice. And we have to do it. I love and then that. we all have the capacity to be phenomenal lovers. We do, oh. all of us. Oh, 100 percent. I totally agree with that. It's just, yeah, yeah. I'm still, I'm still sitting on the the part that uh, that you said earlier about bringing. You're, there, there is no guarantee for tomorrow, and like to bring your best self every day because that's that's a hard thing to do. But if you keep that kind of thought in your head, it can kind of help you help work through like. I get a lot of like panic and anxiety attacks sometimes for literally no reason. And so like that can kind of just help ground you in that moment right there too, right? To help it not impact your relationship. And I think I'm, I'm going to use that going forward. <laughs> mm, I love that. That is so wise of you. Mm-hmm. That is so true. I mean, when we're dealing with anxiety and and even depression, you know, yeah. the best gift we can give ourselves is be here right now. Yeah. Don't, don't go anywhere. Do your best today and let tomorrow take care of itself. Yeah. It's hard. That's hard to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Easy to say. It's it, like, love yourself. <laughs> it is. It is. I got I got a couple more for you before I let you go. Um, what is the best relationship advice you've ever gotten? The best relationship advice I have ever received. Um, Obviously, my English is not very good because... <laughs> No, it's okay. You know, you're causing me to think, which is wonderful. And I, I so appreciate that. And I'm now scanning back in time about, oh, you know, my mom was really good about saying, hey, Miss Days, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. And we know that piece of it. But what she used to add on that was, and don't let anybody touch yours unless you say so. So I think there's, I know that sounds like terrible relationship advice, but it really struck me at a time where I was trying so desperately to be something that fit in Mm. and to be something that everybody else could love. And I didn't realize that that was my problem. Mm. And when I realized that when people want certain things from me or see certain things in me that they don't like, that's an opinion. Yeah. And I don't have to take it to heart. And if I do then I'm letting me violate me in ways that is not necessary. That the greatest gift I can give myself is to honor what I call the planting of our flag and say, this is what I know to be true at this point in time. This is my truth. And it's good enough, even though somebody doesn't have the same opinion. That's so good. That's so good. I'm curious now if you, I feel like your answer is going to be the same for my next, my last question. So something I like to do with all my guests is, so I think I told you about this when we first met um, about the book I'm writing. And at the end of every chapter, I write to my like a paragraph of a piece of advice I wish I told myself when it happened in that moment. So it's mostly based on like my early 20s. And so I like to ask everybody if they could go back and tell their 20 something year old self anything. What would you tell her and why? Mm -hmm. I would tell her you are more amazing than you believe yourself to be in this moment. So slow down, enjoy the moments, right? Live your life and trust and know that it's all going to unfold mm. and make sense in the future. Mm-hmm. But don't miss today for that. Yeah. I was always in such a hurry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hear <Right>. that. <laughs> I, figure, I gotta figure it out. I gotta figure it out. And I, I wish that I would just have enjoyed being 20 yeah. without wondering you know, what I should be at 20 or what I should be doing or how it should be handled by Mm. now. Here's the funny part, and I think we did touch on this when we talked last, 
it's funny as I'm looking at 60 and realizing that at 80, I'm going to look back and go, oh my gosh, you were so young. <laughs> you were so young at 60, right? Yeah. And I think back about 20 now and I go, oh my gosh, I wish I could have appreciated how young I was then mm. and that it's okay. You're not supposed to have a lot of things figured out. You don't have a lot of experience on yeah. life. And that's precious to me because if we take it back another 20 years and we look at like three-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, yeah. I mean, they are the most precious things in the whole wide world. You wouldn't want to push them and expose them to everything they're supposed to know or going to learn in their life over time. You're so like, right. It would almost be cruel. Yeah, you're so right. Because 20 years ago, I would have been seven. Yeah, you're so right. So, so enjoy the unfolding of it all. And I know that's a very old thing to say, but it's so true because... I just wish we could appreciate how young we are and yeah. how smart and intelligent we are and how incredible we all are and the incredible gift that being alive and being able to love is. And I think we miss it because we're in such a hurry to get somewhere. I don't know. And then you realize when you get to be older, you kind of go, well, gosh, I mean, sitting down and enjoying my peeps and my kids and enjoying a good glass of wine and some wonderful food and, and being in laughter until you pee your pants. I mean, those are the moments that yeah. are so great. Oh, yeah. So you don't need to have a big house and a fancy car and a bougie closet full of clothes and you don't have to have the perfect hair and all of that to do that. You just need to be here now. Yeah. That's it. With yourself and with others. That's so good. I think you just, you just gave the title of this episode be here now just be here now <laughs> so amazing where come where can my listeners find you you know the best place for you to find anything about me is to go to my website at stacybartley.com you're going to find out more about me there than you probably want to know so um you'll also gain access to that free copy of that book i mm. promised as well as my show love shack live um, that we air on KKNW 1150 each week, as well as you can find on all podcast directories. And we would have to find that here in Canada because we—I don't think I have access to that radio in in <laughs> Northern Canada. So, <laughs> actually, I think you can stream it. I'm pretty sure. Like on on the podcast things, maybe, but maybe oh, maybe on their website. Maybe mm-hmm, on the web, it, it streams yeah. around the world. Oh, look at you! Yeah. Look at you! Just changing lives globally. So proud of you. So well. proud of you. <laughs> But it was. I love humans, and Shelby, it's been so great to be here with you. I love what you do. Let me just give a shout out for you, if I may. I want to acknowledge you for what it is you're doing and for how it is you're trying to contribute to the people in your age group. It's so needed. And I so appreciate you being courageous and sharing your story and being so vulnerable and open to your listeners. And it, it, it shows. It Aww. means a lot. I can tell you're coming from the heart. And. How incredible is that? Oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It's so wonderful. So don't stop. Keep going, girlfriend. And and we'll have you come over and be in the love shack with us for a little bit. Yeah. Pick this conversation up on the other side of the track, shall we? I would love that. I would love that. We're going to keep in touch, of course. So just, you can't get rid of me that easily. (laughs) I love it. Nor I. It's a promise. (laughs) That's amazing, Stacey. Thank you so much. Um, And we will chat soon. a wrap my friends uh that's all i got for you so enjoy it have a great week it's almost summertime we'll chat next week guys bye